All right, welcome everybody. Happy Memorial Day weekend. Really appreciate Chloe coming up and, and especially that, that prayer, just thanking God for our freedoms and the sacrifices that have made that possible. It's a really big deal. Um, I, I, we'll, we'll get into the word real quick. I just want to acknowledge it's been a, a crazy week around the country. Um, I know, especially those of you uh, with younger kids, you start imagining different scenarios that happen at different points. And um, I, I love the words of that song because it's an important reminder. Whatever practical things need to happen in this country going forward, all kinds of different ideas of what should change, what should remain the same, all those different things, in the end, Jesus Christ is the only hope we have. Uh, he is, it, his salvation is the only solution for the, the messed up, broken world that we live in. And so um, I just want to pray real quick and just ask God's uh, uh, peace and, and, and that somehow he would be glorified through some of the events of the last week. Father, we, uh, we acknowledge that um, we have, uh, in weeks like this, way more questions than answers. And even for those of us, you know, many states removed from the current events of the last week, God, I think we all feel it in one way or another, and, and so God, we ask that you would just provide peace where it's needed, um, provide comfort where it's needed, God, more than human comfort, although please put the right people in the right places to, to speak love and peace and truth into the lives uh, that are affected, but God, we, we ask for your peace and your comfort that only comes when your Holy Spirit falls on a situation and on your people, um, and that somehow through this, um, you would make your name great and that maybe some would come to know you in the process of grieving and in the process of processing. And so uh, we just ask your hand uh, to be where it's needed. In Jesus' name, amen. Cool. Thanks, guys. So um, I am someone who has grown up with some pretty good help throughout my life. I've had a lot of people who have spoken into my life from, uh, from youth pastors to coaches to professors to bosses, my parents, of course. And, and that applies to every area of my life, hunting stuff car stuff, ministry stuff, marriage stuff, life stuff, all the different areas of life. I've had really good people around me who have just spoken wisdom that, that when heeded has proven helpful for me. Now, I've had good help. I've had good sources of wisdom. But that doesn't mean I've always listened. I've had those moments, right, where you just kind of do your own thing. So I, I ended up at the right school pursuing the right degree and the right calling, but probably ignored that for a little bit, even though there was good people kind of pushing me in the right direction. I found an amazing bride in college, but in high school, probably stuck with the wrong girlfriend for a little bit too long. So, so there's kind of that, that contrast and that tension. I've, I've been a part of nursing cars beyond their expected life expense. Right, right. My, my dad is amazing with that kind of stuff and just kind of, I'm a great gopher, right? If you tell me which tool you need, I'll go get it. So I've been part of that. Um, and yet I also put used motor oil into the windshield washer reservoir one time. <laughs> And so, and all I had to do was ask for help. It's the craziest thing. It's so ridiculous when you think about it. So my dad, uh, like many of you probably, like right now, my used motor oil goes to Quick Lane uh, in Saline. Like they, they get to keep that. But when my dad would do it, he would drain the old stuff into empty windshield washer fluid bottles and just set it aside until he had collected enough to take it in and, and have it disposed of. And so the extent of my car ability would be filling it with gas, um, filling it with windshield washer fluid, um, turning the AC on, things like that, and, and then informing a professional of a strange noise that's happening. That's, that's how I deal with cars. And so I was in high school at the time, and it was a super old car, and so thank goodness it wasn't nice. Um, I, I was out of windshield washer fluid, and so I went to the garage, and there's usually those bottles sitting there, and I've seen green I've seen yellow, 
I've seen blue. So I thought, who's to say it couldn't be brown, right? <laughs> so just, I mean, even just forget car knowledge. It's just common sense, stupid stuff. I could have asked, could have asked someone, what, what is this? But instead, I just acted, right? So I took it, opened it. Like, oh, it's thicker than usual, <laughs> darker than usual, and just poured it in. And halfway through, I'm like, oh, I know what this is. <laughs> Never said anything to anybody um, until, you know, a couple decades later, I informed my dad what, what was going on with that. But the crazy thing is, eventually, I added more windshield washer fluid, and it worked. So I don't know if, like, it just settled on top, and maybe it sucked stuff from the bottom, and I got lucky. I don't know. Oil never came out of the windshield washer sprayer thing, so I got lucky there. I also had a moment on our honeymoon. So the first half of our honeymoon we spent at my grandma's house in Florida. She wasn't there, um, <laughs> but she allowed us to use her really nice Cadillac that she was driving at the time. And on the last day of our time at her house, we're like, oh, we should fill it up for her and leave it, leave it full. Um, pulled up to the gas station, and the, the handle that I grabbed wouldn't fit into the car thing. So I thought... So here's where my brain went. Well, there are some states that don't let you leave it, uh, leave it running. They want you to manually pump it the entire time. So maybe it doesn't fit so that I can't walk away while it's <laughs> filling up. Now, what I didn't realize is that the diesel nozzle is quite a bit bigger than the gasoline nozzle. Some of you are nodding your head like, yeah, stupid. Everybody <laughs> knows that. So I put several gallons of diesel into my grandma's Cadillac without even thinking about it. Even looking back, like, how did I push the button to make it start? Um, grandma was great, though. I called her and told her, and, and the, don't start it. We had it towed to the dealer, and I, I tried to pay for it. She had instructed the dealer, not if anyone calls to ask how much it costs, don't tell them. And so I, even, I tried to cover it, but grandma was great about it. So all that to say, I've had great people around me and yet I'm as big of a turd as anybody, right? Because, because I am saddled with the same curse as every person who's come before me, where even in the midst of good help, even in the midst of good advice, even when there's good wisdom available to you, we think, I can do it by myself. I should do it by myself. I will do it by myself. And where does that come from? I think that, that mindset comes from very... Sometimes it comes from a good place, right? You, like, I should figure this out on my own. I want to pave my own way. I don't want all the help. I, I, I want to figure this out on my own. I want, to, I want to do this independent of help, right? I, sometimes it comes from fear. Maybe we're intimidated by the prospect of asking for help or from guidance. Sometimes I think we simply don't know what we don't know. Maybe we don't know that we should be receiving help or wisdom from the outside. Sometimes there's a serious pride issue. We think, I've already arrived. You're not relevant to my life. You don't know what I'm experiencing. You've lived a different generation. You don't know what I need. You don't understand what I'm going through. And inevitably, because of whatever reason it is, we repeat the same mistakes, the same heartaches, the same sin, the same consequences of, as those who have come before us. And so we jump into relationships that we shouldn't have jumped into when we should have known better, right? We, we take jobs that we end up hating, where if we had just asked the right questions ahead of time, we would have known what we should have known before jumping in. We, we sign into new business contracts or new investments where, man, that, that person warned me. I didn't believe them. I should have listened, right? Or we, we struggle through difficult seasons. We struggle through weaknesses because something got in the way of us receiving the help that we needed in the moment. And so this issue gets repeated throughout history and it's repeated in all of our lives. And, I'm, and I recognize I'm speaking mostly to those in, in some of the early stages in life, right? And yet... We all need guidance. 
We all need wisdom, but regardless of age, we all have some place that we need to get to. And so we all have an opportunity to learn from those who have come before us. And yet sometimes, if not all of the time, we miss those opportunities because I can do it on my own. I should do it on my own. I will do it on my own. And when we do that, all you have is you. All you have is your knowledge and your experience and your wisdom and your own method of trial and error. And so today I want to look at uh, a little talked about moment and yet significant moment in the Old Testament and really in the history of the Jewish people. Um, and I want to look at someone who handled this tension poorly, made a bad choice. Um, and so we're going to see kind of what it looks like to do it wrong and, and from that maybe pull out how God wants us to handle it as well. Um, so 1 Kings chapter 12, what we find here is that a guy named Rehoboam is the new king of Israel. So in the timeline of Old Testament history, Go back to that, that common point I think we all get is uh, the, the Exodus, the crossing of the Red Sea, Moses. Moses gives way to Joshua's leadership. Joshua leads them into the promised land. And then you enter into a period where they've forgotten about jo Joshua and we enter into the period of the judges. And in fact, in a couple weeks, we're going to start a, a six or seven week summer series on judges. So keep your eye out for that. But there's this, these centuries where uh, God raises up leaders and judges to rule the people. But then eventually, because of the chaos, because of the people's desire for a human king, God gives them a human king. And we start off with King Saul, who started out great, big, strong, good-looking guy, turns from the Lord. And so God takes his throne and gives it to King David of David and Goliath. And so from David, we have David's son Solomon, who we know, the writer of the book of Proverbs, wisest man who ever lived, richest man who ever lived. And so Solomon is Rehoboam's dad. And so now Solomon is out of the picture. Rehoboam has taken over and immediately has a major issue, a major request on his plate as the new king. So let's go to second, or 1 Kings chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 3. So Jeroboam, who is another guy we'll talk about in a second, and the whole assembly of Israel went to King Rehoboam and said to him, your father Solomon put a heavy yoke on us, but now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. Rehoboam answered, go away for three days and then come back to me. So the people went away. So this heavy yoke, that's, that's putting it lightly. So we, we celebrate the reign of Solomon, right? During Solomon's reign, the nation was strengthened. They expanded their land. They built a palace, they built the temple. So all these amazing things that happen, and yet when a palace gets built, who's building it? Not the king. People are building it. When, and it comes to paying for the money, uh, paying the money to build a temple, to expand the kingdom, all these different things. Who's paying? Not the king. And so the workload went up on the people. The taxes went up on the people. The stress level went up on the people. The amount of things that had to be sacrificed for the king and for the kingdom, went up on the people. And so they were overworked and overtaxed. And in the midst of this, there's a growing division between north and south. So the tribe of Judah inhabited most of the southern regions, and the rest of Israel and those tribes inhabited the northern regions. And so everyone's putting in the work, everyone's putting in the taxes, but it was the southern part of the nation that got the nice palace, the southern part of the nation that got the temple southern part of the nation that seems to be reaping the benefits of everyone's work and everyone's taxes. And so there's a threat of rebellion. And so Rehoboam's in a tough spot. 
In the midst of that, the Jeroboam guy, he's kind of the representative of the people, and he's someone who tried to have Solomon executed, uh, Rehoboam's father. And so there's all these relational tensions, national tensions, all this stuff going on, and they're saying, hey, lighten the heavy yoke. We're asking you to back off on the workload of the people, back off on the taxes, back off on the stress that's been put on. And so in Rehoboam's defense, he's navigating some difficult stuff early on in his reign. Let's continue on into verse 6 and see his process for navigating this question and this tension of what to do early on in his reign. Verse 6, So King Rehoboam consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. How would you advise me to answer these people, he asked. They replied, If today you'll be a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. But Rehoboam rejected the advice the elders gave him and consulted the young men who had grown up with him and were serving him. He asked them, what's your advice? How should we answer these people who say, lighten the yoke your father put on us? The young men who had grown up with him replied, these people have said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. Now tell them, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. My father laid on you a heavy yoke. I'll make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I'll scourge you with scorpions. Three days later, Jeroboam and all the people returned to Rehoboam. As the king had said, come back to me in three days. The king answered the people harshly. Rejecting the advice given him by the elders, he followed the advice of the young men and said, my father made your yoke heavy. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I'll scourge you with scorpions. Jump to verse 16. And when all Israel saw that the king refused to listen to him, they answered the king, What share do we have in David? What part in Jesse's son? To your tents, Israel, look after your own house, David. So the Israelites went home. So Rehoboam was in a tough spot, but what he had, he had a chance to unify the people, to bring all the tribes together again and bring everybody back on the same page. All he had to do was listen to the wisdom available to him. But instead, he wanted to prove how smart he was, how tough he was, what a big man he was. He thought, I can do it all by myself. I should do it my way, and so I will do it all by myself, my way. And the nation split and spent the next centuries warring against itself because of this moment. And that kingdom became like every other kingdom on earth. That kingdom became very chaotic, very broken, and very human. I can't help but think of the book of Proverbs written by Rehoboam's father. The passage in Proverbs chapter 4, speaking from a father to a son. It says, Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. Jump to verse 4, then he taught me and he said to me, take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this, or get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. And so Solomon's advice was get 
wisdom. Wherever you have to get it from, obtain wisdom, obtain knowledge. Ignore it. Ignore the example of those who have come before. Then you'll deal with the consequences. But if you'll cherish it, if you'll seek it, if you'll give up everything to get it, then you'll live a different kind of a life. You'll experience life, even in the midst of chaos, a life of peace, a life that's eternal, a life that's blessed by the divine. And so Rehoboam, the son of the wisest man available to us, like so many before him, like so many people since, like so many people today, he had a chance to learn from the past. He had a chance to learn from those who had already been where he was. He had a chance to experience what God could do with an obedient nation and an obedient leader, but he rejected the advice of the elders in favor of his boys. And he learned a tough lesson. He learned the hard way that to get where you need to go, look to those who have already been where you are. To get where you need to go, look to those who have already been where you are. You'll never be everything that you could be without the wisdom of others. Now, I'm not talking about just advice, right? There's, there's informed opinions, that, that, that's important. Not just educated guesses, although that's valuable. Not just arrogant boasts, which are completely worthless. We're talking about wisdom. Insight from those who can see things through God's eyes, through the eyes of history, through the eyes of experience, being able to process human things with God's mind and God's heart. I think we'll find that standing on those who are a few steps ahead of us can exponentially increase our rate of growth. Rehoboam didn't get it. And I think what we'll find is that your family is his family. Your decisions are his decisions. Your future is his future. Now, in, in, a, in a talk like this, it's easy to kind of think, oh, kids these days, they really need to gain some wisdom, right? This generation, they, they need help. They need to listen to what we have to say. But, but that, absolutely, that, that, that's totally true. But, but no matter where you're at, I'm talking about students. Talking about those of you living the single life at whatever stage of life. Those of you, maybe you're a young couple sitting out there. Maybe you're parents. Maybe you are grandparents. For anyone who might be struggling through any season right now, there are people who have been where you are. There are people who have done what you are doing. There are people who have fought the battles that you are fighting. There are people who have lived your life. So you don't have to do it alone. The way to get where you need to be is to look to those who have already been where you are. So a practical question, just as you're processing, maybe you're in one of those seasons, maybe you're in a spot where you, you haven't considered the wisdom of others, you haven't sought the wisdom of others for the decision, for the season, for the issue that you're dealing with. I want you to ask yourself, who has been where I am and who has been where I am going? Who has been where I am and who has been where I'm going? Keep in mind, this, is, this isn't just old and young stuff. This is a spiritual formation exercise. Any age, any life stage, right? This could be professionally, absolutely, but this is specifically talking about some of the spiritual things that we go through, some area of your faith, right? You want to be more connected. You want to be stronger in this area. You want to progress in this area. You want to experience God's best in this area of your life. 
Wise people learn from their mistakes, but the wisest people learn from others' mistakes. And age is a part of it, but basically we're just looking for someone who has been where you are, someone who has already been where you're trying to go, who's already been where you don't want to be. Who has been where you are? Who has been where you're heading? No matter your age, there's always someone ahead of you on the journey, someone that you can look to. I want to challenge you to find them. Buy them lunch. Invite them into your home. Make them a part of your life. Right? This is part of why we encourage you to get small and get away around here. Right? Because, because it breaks you out of your rhythm, out of your patterns, out of your, inner, out of your closed circle and exposed to other people who are like, oh, this mom has been where I am. Oh, this guy has experienced what I'm experiencing. Oh, this family has been where we're headed. Let's, let's get around these people. Let's glean some wisdom and experience from these people. Let's gain a godly perspective from these people. Who has been where I am? Who has been where I am going? And on top of that, I'd say this. As you're hearing things, as you're gleaning some of this wisdom, I want to challenge you, receive wisdom with humility. Receive wisdom with humility. Show a willingness to learn and try. Take the mindset, I have not arrived. I cannot get there alone. Proverbs 11.2 says that when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Don't arrive at a false destination where you think you've got it figured out, where you think you have all the information, where you think you can do it alone and you should do it alone. You never stop needing wisdom. And for anyone taking steps spiritually, there's always someone ahead of you. Even if it's just one area of growth, be open to it and receive it with patience and humility. Receive wisdom with humility. And of course, the most important part of this, Psalm 111.10 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so I want to ask the question, do you have a relationship with the author of wisdom? Do you have a relationship with the author of wisdom? Because here's the great thing. We saw in the video right before I came up, in James it says, "For, for any of you who lacks wisdom, ask for it, and God is generous with it. And it comes with the presence of his Holy Spirit in our lives where his heart is connected to our heart, and yet that relationship has to exist first. And so before you consider wisdom, before you consider humility, all these different things, I would love for you to consider this weekend, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus, the author of wisdom? Because that's where it all starts. And if we can approach him with humility, if we can approach him with a heart that's connected with his heart, if we'll look to those who have come before us, we can break out of that mindset of thinking, it's got to be on me, it is on me, it's going to be on me. And it can absolutely transform your life. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we just thank you for these simple reminders. Thank you for the example of someone like Solomon who had the wisdom that you granted him. And yet at the same time, God, the example of his son, Rehoboam, who ignored the advice of those who had wisdom. He ignored the advice of those with the experience and he went his own way. God, let us embrace that contrast and see the effect on lives and families and an entire nation in this case. And so God, as we come through seasons, as we experience some of the ups and downs and the decisions of life and the moments of life, God, may we be open 
to the advice and wisdom of others. May we, may we seek it out and may we humbly receive it. And may it have the impact that we believe that you've promised. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Have a great